Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. Father, thank you today as we come before you in your word. Pray that you'd bless and minister to us by your spirit. That you'd gain, help us to gain understanding in your word today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Today, we're in our study in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one. Is there a Bible in front of you guys over there, Sam and Luella? We're on page 1046 in that Bible, in that red Bible, if you want to open up to that and follow along. Page matched with my Bible up here at the front. We're going to be talking about Christ's sacrifice taking away sin. Now, we've talked before, you know, it says in the book of Hebrews in the introduction that if you want to read this with the five books of the Bible, first five books of the Bible, that you should read it in conjunction because Paul does a lot of uh, going back here to those, the law in those five books. What we're talking about here today is Christ's sacrifice for all. And we, and we think about the sacrifices from the first century. We think about what they had to do. And we talked about a little bit about this last week. How you had, there was wave offerings and there was burnt offerings and there was, there was all these offerings. And the one that was for the whole nation was on Passover, around Passover, the yearly offering of the high priest. And so those offerings didn't necessarily cleanse them of their sin. It only covered them for their sin. So what we're talking about here today, this Christ's sin, it says, takes the sin away. It doesn't cover the sin. So when, when the sin is covered, it's still there. You know, it's still there. If you have a stain in a shirt and then you just dye the shirt the color closest to that stain, that stain is still there. It's just covered, right? It's not necessarily cleansed. And so Christ cleanses our sin or takes it away. So we're in verse 23 of chapter 9. He says, It was therefore necessary that the, that the replicas of heavenly things be cleansed with these sacrifices, but that the heavenly things themselves be cleansed with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter holy places made with hands, which are patterned after the, the true one, but into heaven itself, not to appear in the presence of God for us, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor did he enter to offer himself often as a high priest entering the most holy place, every year with the blood that is not his own. For then, this would have had to suffer re repeatedly. He, he, he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the world was created. But now 
he has appeared once at the end of the ages to put away sin by sacrificing himself. It is appointed for men once to die once, but after this comes the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. You see the difference here. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. They went repeatedly year after year after year after year for a cleansing of sin, or a covering of sin. If Jesus' sacrifice was the same, he would have had to come and die year after year after year. But he was the perfect sacrifice to die once and for all. The difference being that he cleanses from the inside, cleanses us, not covers our sin. You see, sin, uh, if it's covered, you're, you're, you're not dealing with the sin nature. You're dealing with just the repercussions of the sin. It's kind of like, you know, when you have a cold and you take over the counter medication, you're dealing with the symptoms of the cold, but you're not dealing with the root cause of the cold. So Jesus was dealing with the root cause of sin, the root cause of sin being the sin nature in his sacrifice. The other sacrifice was dealing with the symptoms of the root cause, which was the actions of the sin nature, those things that we do because of the sin nature. Jesus was dealing with sin itself, not with just the repercussions of the sin. That's what makes him different. It says in verse 23, it was therefore necessary that the spirit, that, that the replicas of heavenly things be cleansed with these sacrifices, but that the heavenly things themselves be cleansed with a better sacrifice than these. The earthly things, we talked about this a little bit this morning, that the, earth, that the things of the earth will pass away, but the love of God will always be around, will always have the love of God. The word of God, God's word will always have those things. But the things in the natural in that time had to be cleansed just like we have to, had to be, they had to be cleansed with the covering of the sin. But he's saying here that the better sacrifice was Jesus' sacrifice because it dealt with, cleansed the heavenly things. It cleansed the sin. It dealt with things in eternity, not with things on earth. Because we know when he died, he went down and he said he took captivity captive when he died. So he's dealing with the things in eternity, not with the things on earth. He goes on. For Christ did not enter holy places made with hands, which are patterned after the true one, but into heaven itself. You see, the, the tabernacle was just a pattern. God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make the, the tabernacle this way. I want you to have these certain things in the outer court. I want you to have these certain things in the inner court. I want you to have these certain things in the Holy of Holies. And this is how you're supposed to make those things. And he gave him a pattern. Well, he didn't go into a pattern, but into heaven itself, the perfect place. He says, now to, he said, he went to appear in the presence of God for us. 
That's what the high priest did. But as we read here, the high priest had to go once a year. And what Paul is saying here is that Jesus is entry into the presence of God through this heavenly realm way of doing things. You only do it once and for all. Because it was made with, done with things not of this earth. But the high priest had to go every year because of the high priest sacrifices were not dealing with the root cause of the actions of sin. It was only dealing with the sin, the actions of the sin. Jesus is dealing with the root cause of the sin. Now, he goes on. Verse 26, For then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the world was created, but now he has appeared once at the end of the ages to put away sin by sacrificing himself. If this would have been the same kind of covenant, talking about covenants here, if this would have been the same kind of covenant that God had already established with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the children of Israel, Jesus would have had to die every year, every single year. But he didn't have to do that. Because we're talking about a new covenant, a covenant that doesn't cover the sin, but, but cleanses the sin. Deals with the inside out. The root cause of the actions that we do. That's what Jesus was doing. He says, As it is appointed for man to die once, but, this, but, did, but after this comes the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. So we're appointed once to die. And then the judgment. Judgment for our life. Now, some might say, well then, what's the point? Because we're going to be judged. Well, for Christians, for those who follow Christ, those who walk with Christ, Christ took our judgment for us, the wrath for us. He took upon the wrath for us, and therefore, when we get to heaven, if we're following God, we will still be judged, but we'll be judged in a different way. We'll be judged by the things we've done in God. We'll be judged by the things that we've done in our life, good or bad, but as a Christian, we'll be in a different judgment. If you get into the book of Revelation, there's two judgments. Some people say there's more than two, but there's two I'm going to talk about. There's the white throne judgment, and there's the judgment seat of Christ, and you don't want to be at the white throne judgment. The judgment seat of Christ is the one that you want to be at. The judgment seat of Christ is the judgment where Christ gives you your rewards for a life lived in him. The white throne judgment is the judgment where the sinner goes to be cast out. You don't want to be at the white throne judgment. You want to be at the, at the judgment seat of Christ. Christ came to give us life and that more abundantly by doing so in coming and living a sinless life and dying on the cross and rising again. All of the things in this book, all of the promises hinged upon the resurrection. All of them. If Christ would have came and lived a sinless life and died and never rose again, he would have been no different 
than Muhammad. He would have been no different than Buddha. He would have been no different than anyone else. But it all hinged on the resurrection, the promise of the resurrection. Because he rose again, all of these promises are real. The cleansing of sin is real. The, the wiping out, dealing with our root cause of sin, which then makes us better on the outside, those kinds of things. It's all real because of the resurrection. It's all real. Whether we believe it or not, Christ died for our sin. And it's real because of the resurrection. He says in 28, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. The many includes me and it includes you. We're in that group of the many. We're in the group of the more. Right, Jane? Right, Jim? We're in the more. We're in the group of the more. The many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. I take this, and I've read commentaries. He's going to come back again. Jesus Christ is coming back, whether we want to believe it or not. We talked about this morning in Sunday school that the end of the world has been predicted so many times throughout our, our lives, probably Ralph through your life. My mom said that it was predicted in her lifetime at least three or four times. And she, and, and she said back in those days people would keep their kids home from school because they were afraid if they were at school they wouldn't, you know. But, but it's been predicted over and over and over again that the end of the world was going to come. We know that it's going to come. But it also says that no man knows the day or the hour. So if we're, if we're predicting it, steer away from those kinds of people that predict it. We just know he's coming back. The goal here and the understanding is that we're to be ready when he does. We're to be ready when he does. He could come back before we get downstairs to enjoy that meal. Are we ready to go? Are your bags packed? Ready to go? It's a question we've got to answer. Some of us might not wake up in the morning. Are we ready to go? He's coming back. And that's the truth. And we can stake our lives on that because the resurrection happened. All of those things that he talks about, the, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the, the promises, and the rebukes, and these kinds of things, all happen and hinge on the resurrection. He's coming back, we know, because the resurrection happened. He's coming back. He's coming for those who eagerly wait for him. Now, if you go back into the Greek, the word wait is not sitting down on the couch going, okay, Lord, when are you coming back? It's 1230. I want to I eat the supper, marriage supper of the lamb. It's 1230. I'm getting hungry. It's not talking about that kind of wait. It's talking about a wait. The wait, the Greek word for this wait is, the, is a Greek word that means service. Those who serve God, those who, those who revere God. He's, he's coming for those who revere Him, who serve Him, who, who walk with Him. And that begs the question of our own understanding in our own life. How much are we walking with God on, in, a, in a reality and in, in a daily basis? Now, I'm not suggesting that we have to be perfect in all of this, but I am suggesting that we be self-aware enough to know 
that if God is talking to us, we should understand that we need to be walking with God. If we're not doing it correctly, then we have to be open enough to go with God for God to say, you need to change. You need to start. Or you need to stop. Something. We have to be that open with God. We have to have that kind of a relationship with God. Those are the ones that it's talking about, those who wait for Him, who are waiting on Him. How do we wait on God? How do we grow in God? How do we get this good relationship? Very, very, very simple. It's very simple. Three things you do. How many of us heard me say these three things a thousand times? Me. Get into your Bible and you read it. You get into your Bible. Spend time in your Bible. Prayerfully consider it. Study it. Know it. If you don't know it, God can't bring it back to your heart. God can supernaturally give you a word, but you don't know whether it comes from God or if it comes from your own understanding if you don't put it in. Be a person of the word, number one. Number two, be a person of prayer. Pray. Talk to God. Spend time with God. Prayer is not just what we do here this morning where we say, God, thank you for the blessings, God. Heal these people. Prayer in the, in the avenue of being at home in your personal prayer time is longer than that or should be longer than that. We should spend time with God quietly before Him and allowing God to speak. How are we going to know where we need to change, where we need to start or stop something if we're not quiet before God? Person of prayer, prayer is a conversation. Just like I, had, I have conversations with each of you on a weekly basis, sometimes more than a weekly basis. I have conversations with my wife more than a weekly basis, so at least I hope so, every day, right? Conversation. It's a person-to-person -person thing. Same thing with prayer. God is a person, just like I am a person. He desires a relationship. He desires to have a conversation, and that in conversation comes through an avenue of prayer and being open to Him. That was two. Number three, what we're doing right now, being apart, being together, being a part of the body, being together. Why is it important to be in front of God's people? People say, I don't need church. Have you heard that? I can worship God in my own way. I've heard that more times than I care to shake a stick at. But the importance of being in the presence of God with His people is so that God can speak to you through His people. God can use someone to confirm something that you've already been asking God about. That's the difference. How is God going to do that? Or God can do that, but God, uh, we don't do God justice. I'm not going to say we limit God. We just, we limit ourselves and don't do God justice by, by allowing God to speak to us through a television program. There's something missing there. There's the relationship, person to person, person to person relationship. That's why we do these meals every month. To get to know one another. To have a person-to-person -person relationship. So that we grow in the grace and knowledge of God together. Not just 
one-on-one -on -one with God, although that's very good to do that, but God would want us to come together to share in that, to be in the presence of God together, to grow in unity and love for one another and His creation and His people. That's why we must be together. The Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, but we are to, to gather together. Strength in numbers. I, I, my kids went... Uh, a couple weeks ago, they went with their friend to the park from our house, and they wanted to walk. And I said, yeah, you guys can walk if you bring, if, you're, if, if there's more than one of you. Why? You know, why? Strength in numbers. I told them, strength in numbers. You can, you can protect each other. You, you know what? And I gave them the talk about what someone would you do if someone approaches you and all that. Strength in numbers. Same thing with God. If, if, if the enemy can isolate you, if he can keep you at home, away from the people of God, if he can keep you at home, away from person-to-person -person contact, and a lot of that's happening in our day and age right now, people are staying home, watching services on internet and on television. If the enemy can keep you alone, you're a target. I'm not saying that online services and things like that are, are bad. There's a need for that. But I think it's important to stay connected. Telephone, Zoom, whatever the case. Emails, stay connected. I would encourage those of us that have friends and family in churches that are doing online services that you talk person to person over the phone to hear someone else's voice. You know what that does for someone, to hear someone else's voice? Just be able to know someone else is on the, on the other side of the line. That's better than writing a letter. That's better than, than anything like an email. Hearing a person's voice to say, I have a concern today, I have this concern today. And they can give you encouragement. That is something that we must do. Those three things, a person of the word, a person of prayer and a, and a gathering together in some way, shape, or form. We need to do those things. How are we going to be a person who waits on God if we are lackadaisical about the way we live our life in Him? I'll tell you what, I don't go a day without spending time with God, praying to God, reading the Word of God, talking to God. I study the Word of God probably a lot more than a lot of the average people do. Partly because I prepare for this and I do Zoom meetings and I do Bible studies and I do all these things online. But in those moments, God can bless you. God can minister to you. When you're going through something, the Word of God can be a balm to your soul. It can help you. It can, it can guide you through a decision. It can guide you through life's difficulties if you give it value in your life. If you give Jesus value, he will bless you. He created us. He created the place we live, this world we live in. He created the technology that we use to connect to one another Let's give him glory for those things.
and credence in those things. So the question that I have for us today as we close, are we willing to be a person who will serve God? Are we willing to be a person who will respect and revere God and his word and his people? When we don't respect the people of God, that is a bad reflection on the Lord in which we serve. When I say respect people, I'm talking about us individually and us as a corporate body. It is important for us as a corporate body and as, a, as the body of Christ to build unity and family. And to understand that our attitude toward one another is going to build up or it's going to tear down. And I want to beckon us to build one another up in prayer. Yeah, I know people are difficult sometimes. And yeah, I know, believe me, I'm the one that's probably difficult in my house. But people are difficult from time to time. But we need to build one another up. Love them in the Lord anyway. Because you know what will happen? That will spill over to your life and other people. And then you'll be following God. And you know what it says in Scripture? It says that I will, be, I, will draw my, I will draw them unto myself. If you are exuding and, and oozing Jesus, Jesus said that he will draw them by himself, toward himself. Not anything we can do, but what Jesus does through us. You want to see people in your life come to know God? You want to see people in your family come to know God? You want to see this church grow? You want Exube Jesus. Be a person of prayer, a person of the word, and a person of his people. And respect and honor God through all three of those things. That's what God would want us to do. So we need to look at ourselves and say, am I doing these things? Am I following God the way I should? Am I allowing God to minister to me? Am I allowing God to minister through me? These are things we have to ask ourselves through the Word of God. That's that time of prayer. That's not just, that time of prayer at home should never just be, God, thank you for today. Bless such and such. Touch their life. Thank you. Amen. Gotta go. Our prayer at home should not be that. Our prayer here is that, usually due to time constraints. But our prayer at home should be, Father, touch them, be with them, touch my life, touch their life, and then shut up. Point blank. Stop talking and allow God to minister to you. There's been times in my life when I was like that. And I can remember one time specifically, I was running, 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 running. One night, I had a lot of stuff to do in a day, and I went, I had to pick up an SD card at the other church, and I had to run here, run there, run, and I was back there, and I was putting this thing away, and God spoke to my heart, spend time with me right now. Now, and it was very strong. I mean, it, it could have been very audible, but it was very strong. Spend time with, just spend time with me. That's what God said, just spend time with me. And so I did. I went to the front and I knelt before God and I spent time with him 
for 45 minutes to an hour. I don't remember. It was a long time. Long enough that I had my phone on vibrate and I was getting calls like crazy. But I spent time with God because I wasn't spending time with God. I was putting God aside and God said, just spend time with me. And I did. And he blessed me and he ministered to me. You see, that's the kind of relationship God wants us to have with him that will spill over to the others, that our relationships in our life. So those are the questions and those are the things I want us to examine this week. I want us to look at that this week and I want us to examine that because it's important stuff. He's going to come back sooner or later. Some of us are thinking hopefully not sooner because I got things going on. Some of us are thinking like me, hopefully not sooner because I got family that aren't saved yet. God's still working on my family. God's still working on your family. God's maybe still be working on you. God's going to come back sooner or later. We need to be ready. Amen? Need to be ready. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today. Lord, help us to be ready. Help us to be ready for when you come back. Lord, we know that you are the, you are the offering that was the once and for all offering for sin. You dealt with and dealt with the, the, the root cause of sin in your, in your offering and your sacrifice. Father, help us to honor you. Help us to bless you each and every day. Help us, Lord, to be people of the word, people of prayer, and people, of, and, and, people, and people that love your people. Help us, Lord, today. And Lord, we thank you for that. We give you praise. Lord, be with uh, each and every one of us today. Bless the food that we're about to receive today. Minister to us in our conversations. Bless us and touch us. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Catch the theme here. The only way we're going to meet on that beautiful shore is if we're a people of following God. People that are waiting on God, revering God. It's the only way we're going to be people that are going to meet on the other shore. And I want to meet every one of you on the other shore one day, come together and say, oh, hey, there's Sandy, there's Ruth, there's Sam, there's Luella. Remember that time in the church when uh, we, we were decorating the church for Christmas? Oh, sure, yeah. Those are the kinds of things. If we're not waiting on God, if we're not sold out to God, we won't experience that. The Bible says an idle mind is the devil's playground. I don't know if the Bible says that, but a lot of people say that. I said the Bible says that, but I'm not really sure it does. I don't think it does. But it's true. An idle mind is the devil's playground. Devil's playground. If we are not focused on God, we are focused on other things, and other things draw us away. So let's not get drawn away. Let's be people of the word, people of prayer, and people who love God's people. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he turn his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. 
I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.